Hi, and welcome to Wild Milk Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Caroline. And I'm Susan. Every Monday, we talk about true crime. <laughs> I guess I shouldn't say Monday. <laughs> no, probably not. Every week. What? Every week, sometime. <laughs> <laughs> Every week, sometimes. It's a surprise. Um, By the way, I'm not against surprise. Like, basically, like, anytime, as far as I'm concerned, between Monday and Thursday, just let it be a surprise when it goes up. Fuck it. And so we tr- we started on Mondays, and I was like, okay, this is good. And then my weekends got busy, and sometimes we wouldn't record till Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, this is not working. So I was like, okay, Tuesday is the day. But then Monday at work is just always so busy. <laughs> and I was like, all right, Wednesday. Is that the day? No, that's too close to Monday. So Thursday is the day. <laughs> So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> anyway. I think, I think just make it every week. We don't need to say a day. Make it's people fine. like start taking polls about when they what day they think it's gonna be. That could be kind of fun. First, and I'm doing a continued um, cryptids in each state, and I'm on part three. So this week we're going to do Connecticut, Delaware, and Florida. And are, uh, did you decide you're kind of mixing Georgia and Florida together, or did you keep them separate? I'm going to keep them separate um, okay. because I think the Florida one's pretty interesting. I'm just going to awesome. leave it not by itself. So Connecticut and Delaware, I really was not expecting much because you never really hear about anything from those states when it comes to well, cryptids. Like big. Yeah, exactly. Like the like whole state like this big. Yeah, like Bigfoot is as big as the state. Yes. Yes. Um, and I mean, they really kind of were a little bit of a disappointment. But I did get some stories. Sorry, there's in Delaware. Y'all are just a disappointment. Disappointment. <laughs> there's like a few cryptid sightings, but most of it is old like legends, which I'm still going to tell because those are kind of fun. I like that. Yeah. Okay. So Connecticut. First of all, when I was like looking through, I was doing research and I found the main one that I'm going to talk about, which is a sea monster. Ooh, I love it. Seems monster. very Connecticut, like very like waves crashing up onto the, you know, it just like seems lighthouses and stuff. Yeah, yeah like yeah. nautical shit. <laughs> we are such southerners. <laughs> <laughs> but that, so I've never been up there. Like, obviously, it's like crabs and anchors and lighthouses, and that's all, right? <laughs> That's all of New England, is it not? It's Correct me. The whole everything up there. There's just like lobsters, crabs, lighthouses, and anchors, and some rope. Everything <laughs> is navy and blue striped. Yep. Everything. <laughs> oh my god. Sorry. Everything. Guys. Um. So they have their sea monster that I'm going to talk about. But one thing that I thought I should bring up is what they call. Let me find it. Melon heads. Melon heads. Yeah. Like not the candy, I'm assuming. Not the candy. Okay. So, 
according to local legends and like stories that have been passed down, these melon heads, um, they're people. They're people that escaped a mental institution. Let me see if I can find the year. I have what a terrible name. Also, the candies lemon heads. I just. <laughs> so it says that they have these lemon heads because. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't even mean to do that. My fault entirely. <laughs> oh my God. It says that these people, if you can call them that, I'm pretty sure you can call them that, have these melon heads because they've been living in the forest and they've like inbred with each other and they have a lot of birth defects. Um, But yeah, they're just incestuous backwoods. Like it says colonial witches and I take full offense to that. Full offense. So we're not like, I don't, this article's. I, we don't disparage witches on this podcast. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they said that well, they we know otherwise. escaped the asylum when there was a fire. Um, so, yeah, that's one of their legends. Although that's they, sad, and I really hope that there's absolutely nothing true about it. Well, let me tell you, there are. I'm from the Appalachian Mountains, Smoky Mountains, that area. There are people who are feral people who live in these deep backwoods. And a lot of the missing 411, you know about that? Mm-hmm. A lot of the missing 411 could be, like, connected back to them, especially the little kids that go missing. But, yeah, these backwoods people are, like, cannibals and incestuous, and they're, like, they're real. So, I mean, this could potentially... I guess, yeah. I mean, I don't doubt that people live based you know off the grid and I don't doubt that there's some crazy shit that goes on I just really hope that there aren't people with like horrible birth defects and no access to anything all because they escaped from an asylum that obviously had terrible conditions and was on fire at the time that's just too sad it is very sad and it doesn't really give a year on like when this um fire was but yeah that's sad so let's talk about sea monsters. Sea monsters are way more, way more cheerful. Are they? <laughs> Again, okay. in my head, they're all the cartoon versions, like Nessie and like Champ with the cute little faces. That's, that's what they always are. So as I'm reading this, and there's no actual name for this <clears throat> cryptid, I guess. It's just a sea monster. And I this- get it together and name your sea monster. Like, come on. And maybe there is. I just really I really didn't see one. Um, so the first sighting was in 1886, and it was just a bunch of sea captains. Um they were coming back in from like being on the sea doing captain stuff. <laughs> and they came back into town with all these stories of these huge serpent-like creatures in the ocean. And when I read that like first paragraph, I was like, oh, so the giant squids. Right. Right. But so these sea captains are coming in with these stories and then all of a sudden townspeople are complaining of a an extremely large serpent in the Connecticut River, like a river. And it's not like it's not a little sea serpent. Um, 
Okay, here's one account. So two men um, were crossing the river at about 6 a.m. and they were struck something underneath the boat struck their boat sent them flying up in the air and luckily like they landed back down in the boat they said it was a snake with a big black head the creature's head stood 10 feet above the water with eyes as big as small plates and the body appeared to be over 100 feet long that is a big ass sea snake that is a big ass sea snake and like i just <laughs> that's not a giant squid. <laughs> no, no. Um. Okay, so people started to like gather around the shoreline after they heard this story of these fishermen, and they were like scanning and. Um, yeah, because if you hear there's a ten, a hundred foot snake, <laughs> I mean, what do you do but go looking for it? Right. So they never saw anything, and then quiet about the sea serpent or the river serpent for fifty years. And then in 1894, a husband and wife were um, living along the banks of the Connecticut River, and they were just hanging out by a bridge. And he, the husband heard like a really low grunt and then a splash. And he says, this is a quote, I looked into the river and no more than 25 feet away, I saw a big snake. Its head was out of the water and the body raised about six or seven feet at the neck, the snake was as large as an ordinary man's leg at the thigh, and the body was as large as an ordinary stovepipe. I have no fucking idea what a stovepipe is. <laughs> How old is article? So, like, if you have a wood-burning stove, you know how there has to be, like, a like mm-hmm. the, the stovepipe. Okay. And that's so what that's they used to compare that's it. That, like, that's not that big like the size of an anaconda i mean no look granted anacondas are big ass snakes but like they're that's a little different than like its eyes were as big as small plates like its body's the size of a stovepipe like okay but there are plenty of snakes that are that big (laughs) those are real here's the thing that i'm thinking when i'm doing this research into these states because we saw the same thing with Colorado, the sighting of the um, Dick Mountain monster. What was his name? The Sliding Rock Bolter. <laughs> He's the Dick Mountain monster now. Dick Mountain monster. Um, those people, it was in the 1800s, and this is in the 1800s, and, like, they sound kind of dramatic. There was not that much to do. Like, they were just really, they saw a big-ass, I'm not saying it wasn't big, like a big-ass snake in the water, and they were like... And its eyes were as big as small black plates. <laughs> yeah. Okay, here's another thing. We talked about this a tiny bit when we had Courtney on. We were talking about Most Haunted mm-hmm. and how, like, people in the States look at Most Haunted and they're like, oh, my God, it's so fake. And it's like, well, it's dramatized. Like, it's meant, it's not, like, there's a different attitude about it. Sometimes when I'm reading things that are, like, old accounts like this, Mm -hmm. I just wonder, is there a different attitude about it? Like, was there sort of an expectation that you would tell kind of a tall tale about it instead of just giving, like, pure facts? Like, is there some sort of, like, a a cultural, Mm -hmm. social difference that we don't actually think about or aren't aware of that makes some of those... I mean, that was kind of the same time that all of, like, the 
Paul Bunyan and those kinds of stories were being, I mean, that's like the American oral tradition yeah. is tall tales. That's and I just really kind of wonder if, if some of that is related, like when you're telling stories, like, you know, kind of like the big fish stories or whatever. Yeah. Is it kind of the same thing? And I'm not, I mean, I don't know, maybe they're describing exactly what they saw, but maybe part of the reason is that there was sort of an expectation that you're going to dramatize it a little. Yeah. That's a very good point. But yeah, they were two definitely like different, excuse me, sized serpents that they saw. I mean, Um, the second one, snakes that big for sure exist. Like, it's creepy as fuck, but they're real. He said, (laughs) this just doesn't make sense to me. So that's what he said about the body and comparing it to the stovepipe. Its eyes were as large as those of a horse. Okay, that makes sense. With a mouth which extended down onto its belly that was nearly a foot across. Those familiar um, with the previous sightings from earlier in the 1800s immediately said that it was the same sea serpent. Um, And there's really been no other sightings since then. It's just kind of like folklore in the area. Interesting. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's their quote-unquote cryptid but they're a very small state they're trying yeah they're trying so moving on to delaware and i didn't know this um delaware and hawaii were the only two states in the united states that had not had reported bigfoot sightings until recently um delaware i don't know about hawaii but delaware now has official big bigfoot sightings interesting yeah i really hope bigfoot gets to go on vacation soon What's he? Oh, to Hawaii. Hawaii. How's he going to get over there? Hop a cruise ship? Poor Bigfoot. I know. He just can't get there. I'm learning so much. I'm going to bring up this fucking show, I swear, every time we have a podcast. Because I am learning so much about Bigfoot. Even if they don't find anything, I'm learning that he likes to be always near water. A water source because a water source brings deer and other animals that he can hunt. Um, and I think <laughs> Bigfoot tangent. There's a lot of theories that around when people see Bigfoot, they see orbs. And when you have, you'll have to watch this show. But they do a lot of. I do heat. need to watch this show. They do a lot of heat. Um, I don't really know what it's called, where you can look out into the forest and everything. Yes, like you the know what I'm talking about? Flare cameras. Yeah. yeah. And they'll pick up sometimes, like very rarely, big, huge heat signatures that can't be explained, but then immediately they just disappear. Hmm. And so a lot of people think that Bigfoot can kind of like turn into an orb and that really he's not of this world. And that's what a lot of native Americans think too, when they talk about Bigfoot. So that's interesting to me, but in some ways, not like as interesting as an actual creature that does like potentially really does exist. Well, I think, I don't know. I mean, I think he really does exist and I think that could be a possibility. I mean, if you're like really into aliens and you really believe that there's shit out there, I mean, it's not unrealistic to think that, He's like from, he's an alien of some sort. I mean, there was a theory a few years ago that I read that said that 
Um, there was like nothing to back it up. It was just a theory that said that he is brought to this planet to like grow up or like reproduce. And then he's taken back to his planet. I think, you know, it was just like a crazy out there thing. And I was like, I mean, who the fuck knows? Who the fuck knows? Yeah. I guess my thing, my thing about cryptids in general is like, yeah, things exist that we don't know about for sure. (laughs) Like that's, like, that's definitely true. Yeah. As evidenced by the fact that they discover brand new creatures and species that they didn't know existed literally every year. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, things exist that we don't have records of as humans. Because we just we just think that we're, like, the, mo- the end-all, be-all of this planet. The reality is not true. No way. We're we're actually kind of fragile. <laughs> it's so fragile. I mean, you don't see Bigfoot coming down with COVID, do you? No, you don't. Oh no. What? I didn't save Delaware. Oh yeah, I did. I just scrolled down too far. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, poor Delaware. Oh no. They already have it so rough. I mean, you know. Um. So interesting, all three of the recent Bigfoot encounters in Delaware happened within the same county. That's Um, very interesting. Yeah, it is really interesting. So a lot of what I was reading with Delaware was the same as Connecticut, where it's not really a state cryptid or something that they're like known for. It is the Bigfoot sightings. And then it's this thing called the Shelbyville Swamp Monster. I want to say I vaguely heard of this. Yeah, I mean, you probably have because I think it was in it was in newspapers and stuff. So in the 1960s, an actor, his name was Fred Stevens, he dressed up as a hairy monster to frighten passing road users, and that's when a lot of the sightings started to happen. Nope. <laughs> However, in the decades past, when he was dressing up in that suit to scare people, there have still been sightings of this Shelbyville swamp monster. And one thing I learned from my Bigfoot show is that they will stay near swamps. And so if mm-hmm. Bigfoot's in Delaware, he's going to be near the swamp. Yeah. So I think it's just Bigfoot that they're seeing. I was really upset because I was reading this like really long article about this Shelbyville swamp monster. And then I get to the end and this is what it says about Fred Stevens admitted to dressing up as a like hoax. I was like, what the fuck? I wasted all that reading for this. Right. (laughs) Quick funny story because it kind of goes along with people dressing up. Between Abilene and Brownwood, I don't know if it's still there. I'll find out this weekend, hopefully, because I'm driving that way. Um, Somebody put a Bigfoot, like, cutout just in this random little patch of trees. What? What? It's just right, I mean, it's, like, right on the interstate. Oh, my God. That's the good. First That's funny. Time I saw it. It was like the it was like the perfect conditions to see this thing the first time because yeah. it was like kind of drizzly and just a little bit foggy. And yeah. as I'm like getting close to it, I'm like, oh, that's so weird that like the way those trees, like the way the gap in those trees is, makes it look like Bigfoot. <laughs> and then as I get closer, I realize, oh no, that that is Bigfoot. And I mean, I immediately could recognize it as a cutout, but it was the funniest shit I have ever seen in my life. I wonder how I'm many like, ba- somebody is a real hero. 
For real. I wonder how many Bigfoot sightings Texas has. Probably a lot. I'm sure there's tons. Well, we'll get to it. Because I feel like every state I'm looking at, I first hear about all the Bigfoot sightings. All their Bigfoot sightings. And then, like, their secondary cryptids. Yeah. Which a lot of them seem like Bigfoot. It's just they Bigfoot they named. I'm actually really interested in how many of these actually do sound like just a version of Bigfoot that they've given another name. Which I am too. kind of reinforces the idea that this animal just exists in this part of the world. Yeah. I think when we go, like, the Pacific Northwest, there's going to be, like, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um... Washington and Oregon and whatever else is out there. You, I'm not sure. I'm not good at geography. <laughs> Washington, okay. Oregon, Northern California. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, over there on the West Coast. That that, that area. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Florida, their cryptids are on bath salts. Like, <laughs> they're they're are crazy. The cryptids just. Is it just Florida man? It's just Florida man. Florida man is the cryptid. Sorry to everyone who lives in Florida. They know. They they already know. Okay. So there's this skunk ape that they talk about. It was in the 60s and the 70s. And this woman has a... She claims that she took this picture out of her back door. And I mean, it's it looks like a legit real picture. And it is a fucking... It looks like an orangutan. I'm going to, like... I want to see. I know. I think I can, I I think I can save it. this and send it to you. Hold on. Okay. What in the world? Right. It looks like an orangutan. It does. But not... Well, not just... I don't know, man. My, my issue with these kinds of things is, like, I don't ever want to be like, okay, but it's not real. I just... Mm-hmm. You know, there's no context. And orangutans are orange, are they not? Um, the ones at my zoo are. Usually, I, you know, I mean, I, I guess every animal can have color variations. Yeah. So, I don't want to be like, well, it can't be an orangutan because it's not the right color. Because, yeah, I don't know. There's something. It okay. Because I'm looking for an orangutan, that's what I'm seeing. But part of me is like, okay, but is it, like, actually a picture of a dog, like, and you can't see the face? And it's just, like, stand, like it's standing weird, and you can't really see the face. And so what you're, you're seeing what you are looking for. But look at the, look at down on the bottom, like, the fingers. Do you see that? at the bottom of the plants, his, like, fingers, and then his, like, hunchback right there. I don't know. It just looks like an I think, arm. I think the hunchback is what makes me question, like, am I looking at some kind of a primate? Or am I looking at something else entirely? Okay, don't look at that face for too long, because it just gets creepy. <laughs> it's really creepy. It's the eyes. They're, like, glowing red. They are. Which is, I mean, that's Animals, I mean, that's just, human eyes do the same thing. Okay, so she took this picture in 2000. Um, She wants to stay anonymous. But anyway, she said that she caught this creature, this beast, what she calls it, eating apples from her back porch. And she just, all she had to say was it smelled awful, which, of course, is, like, Bigfoot stinks. Mm -hmm. 
And then in 2013, another man, his name is Mike Faulkner, he took a one minute and 55 second video on his iPhone. Um, He claims to have seen the skunk ape or what I think is just Bigfoot. Um, He said it was a black, hairy creature. I need to look on YouTube at the video. I did not look it up. But those are the two skunk ape um, eyewitness accounts. But then we have the muck monster. Have you heard of Florida's muck monster? I don't think so. It's super um, commercialized in the area, I guess, like in the town that it's seen in. Um, They have like muck monster dinners on local restaurant menus and they have like aprons and I um, love I just love the embracing of a theme I do too I really do too embrace the theme I mean like Bigfoot has been embraced and there's so many different like versions of you know cartoon Bigfoot and I don't know I love it I sound like I'm really fucking obsessed with Bigfoot it's okay (laughs) to be obsessed with Bigfoot it's fine Okay, so the muck monster monster is a large serpent-like creature. It's been seen for many, many years in the Lake Worth Lagoon. I'm actually not even sure where Lake Worth is. Can you look that up really quick yeah. while I'm reading? Um, so two members of the nonprofit Lagoon Keepers organization, their names were Greg Reynolds and Dan Sereno. They took a boat um, out to fish, and they saw this extremely large log just kind of sitting in the water and they went to go like around it and the log moved so they started to like slowly follow the log um but every time they came within like 10 feet of it or closer the quote-unquote log would submerge itself in the water um eventually after doing this for so long they just gave up and they stopped following what they now think it's like a living creature but to them it just looked like this long log and that is how the muck monster was born that's really interesting and there's not really go ahead it's not okay so lake worth is i think lake worth is actually the city okay oh that might make sense lake worth lagoon yeah well i'm not 100 percent sure it's okay (laughs) where Mar-a-Lago is. <laughs> so it's Donald Trump. <laughs> yep. It's Donald just Donald Trump, Trump just stinking, going for a swim, and everybody's like, oh, God, what is that? Just Trump. Sorry. I, we didn't even plan that, you guys. That just happened. <laughs> if I hadn't zoomed in on this map, I would have never figured that out. I'm not going to get into all of Florida's, like, stories that they have, but they have... Um, the St. Augustine monster, because a lot of these aren't like cryptids. They're like old sea sea captain stories. And I think that the St. Augustine sea monster is like the giant squid. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that's it's supposed to be the most haunted city in America. We went there last year for our yeah, that's right. on your anniversary when I got COVID. Huh. <laughs> At least that's what I think I had. Probably. Okay, so that is Connecticut, Delaware, and Florida. And Connecticut and Delaware just really need to, like, we come up with the cryptid. Look for some shit that you don't recognize. Yes. I, I'm expecting a lot of you. 
Okay, here's something I want to know about cryptids. Yeah. Why are they always huge? Why can't there be any small cryptids? Like some sort of mutant butterfly. I would be super into that. I would be too. And maybe potentially because people aren't looking for something small. They're looking for like a beast. True. Like something big and creepy. True. But yeah, I'm okay. I want there to be like mutant butterflies. I need somebody to get on that. And go like find a weird. I guess they're not that hard to catch either though. So. True. I got really high the other night and I thought like, what if there's all these un like cre- like cryptids creatures that we don't know about and they're just invisible. Oh, wait, <laughs> I can do better. Oh God. The whole thing about why our ghosts always like from the 1800s. Yeah. What if they're not? What if there's loads of ghosts that are way more modern and you see them all the time and you just don't realize that they're ghosts? You need to shut the fuck up. <laughs> you need, we're, we're done. <laughs> we're done. <laughs> okay, but aside from that, I also had a really crazy high thought the other night. What if Demi Moore spends every day just thinking she's going to see Patrick Swayze's ghost? <laughs> Help me out here, Susan. <laughs> the movie Ghost. Oh my god. Okay, I've never seen it. I've heard about it. I mean, you were like seven years old when that came out. So, <laughs> but like the whole movie, like he's dead the whole movie pretty much. Like you only see him alive at the very beginning. The vast majority of the movie, Patrick Swayze's dead. And look, if this is a spoiler for you, y'all, this movie came out in the late 80s or some shit. Like, <laughs> Get it together. When did this movie come out? What's so funny know. is you said that and you were like expecting a reaction, which well, because of course, literally I'm like, everyone else I said that to was like, oh my God, why did you do that? All of our listeners are like, oh my God, yes, why would you say that? And I'm just like, mm-hmm. I don't get it. This? Okay, 1990. It came out in 1990. So if this was a spoiler for you, well, <sighs> I don't know what to tell you. Do better. Do better. Caroline, do better. In all honesty, in all honesty, it's not that great of a movie. And I'm going to get some hate for that because there are people who love that shit. And I mean, what we got from this movie is Molly, you endanger girl in Whoopi Goldberg's voice. That's what we got from that movie. And me thinking that Demi Moore probably wakes up every day and just thinks she's going to see Patrick Swayze's ghost. (laughs) Or maybe he just hangs out with her all the time and she's like, Yeah, obviously. What are you talking about? I'm excited because this week is true crime, right? This week is true crime. So um, it's kind of, okay, so first of all, I just want to say if you normally, like if you listen and you don't love the true crime, like there's nothing, this is tame true crime as true crime goes. So I said last week that there was a tie-in to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is a Tarantino movie. Um, And the tie-in is that this is true crime that is related to Charles Manson, but before the Manson murders. Okay. In fact, um, there is a lot, there's like this whole sort of, theory that this situation is actually kind of where 
the like this was like the catalyst that led to the Manson murders in the first place. So it's July 1st, 1969. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Like a fucking child. <laughs> Just what? ignore me. What's she doing? No, I'm... <laughs> oh, you? Oh, because it's 1969. She literally says 69, and, like, I'm not a 30-year-old woman. I went... <laughs> only because I read... Only because I'm looking at the full year did I not get there. Sorry. Oh it's, our, it's Also, it's Wednesday, and I feel like it's been two weeks since it was the weekend, so... For real! Especially since I'm off on Friday, and I just feel like this is the longest week ever. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, I'm sorry, go ahead. So, so, okay, at this time, I mean, I think, I feel like everybody knows at least bits and pieces of the whole Charles Manson, Manson family murder saga, but I don't know, I'm going to give a little bit of backstory just because I don't know if people really pay that much attention to what was happening before that. So, Charles Manson is basically this. <sighs> Charles Manson was a loser. I'm sorry. I just have to call it what it is. It's not his fault entirely. Um, he had a really, really rough life. He spent most of his life from the time he was, a, I mean, he, he started being incarcerated as a juvenile. Um, he was not raised in any kind of a healthy family environment at all. In a lot of ways, Manson really didn't understand how to exist in the non-institutionalized world. But what he had going for him is that he was very charismatic and, um, people just kind of flocked to him and liked being around him. So he started collecting other people who had some of them had some of the same problems that he had as far as not really knowing how to get along in normal society. Mm-hmm. Some of them were hippies who just really didn't want normal society to remain normal. Um, a lot of them were what people would call throwaway kids. They, you know, wandered off from their families and no one was really looking for them. And they ended up, it's very, I mean, it's, it's, it's very sad in a way, in a way it's kind of, I mean, there are other places that kind of the same thing was happening that nobody ended up dying or getting murdered, I guess. People always die, but no one ended up getting murdered. That it's kind of nice that they found, you know, secondary families. But in this case, obviously it went really, really badly. But their um, Spawn Ranch gets mentioned a lot with Manson. So I just kind of, again, I'm just like a little bit of backstory because I just don't know if, if people who aren't into this, into the Manson murders really pay attention to any of the other stuff. So Spawn Ranch was like a, basically it's like a movie set out in the desert in Cal- in California. Oh. It's what they would use. The buildings weren't like... The buildings weren't really like buildings that you would live in. Mm-hmm. As a rule, they were more like set buildings. So they were mostly facade and just kind of thrown together shacks because they were used as the set um, 
for a lot of Westerns. So they would, you know, change the fronts of buildings or whatever, just to make it look different enough to fit in with, you know, your very typical, like, (laughs) run-of-the-mill mid-century Western movies. Um, But it wasn't being used, so... I'm, and I'm not entirely sure how they came, uh, how it came about that they were living there. But at some point, they were were given access to it at least for some time period, and then, you know, they were kind of they were basically squatting. Yeah. Um. But one thing that Manson always Manson wanted to be a musician. That's really that was really his. Um, that's what he was aiming for. It was the only thing that he felt like he was good at. And the only thing that he thought that he knew how to do, I think, well enough to actually, like, be somebody. I'm going to look up his sign. Keep going. Hmm. That's interesting. I don't, I don't know what it is, so that'll be interesting. Um, so Tex Watson, who was part of the Manson family and was involved in the, in the Tate and LaBianca murders, is kind of the central character in this in this particular story more than Manson. So Tex was kind of one of those kids that, you know, he had been, I think he had been maybe, I think he was like a football player, but he really just kind of dropped out of society and ends up in California and meets Charlie and Charlie always had girls. So, you know, all the guys kind of wanted to hang out because there were always women around. Tex pretty quickly becomes just like a devotee to Manson and he'll do anything Manson wants or needs or asks. The family needs money and they always need money because they're completely broke and basically starving. And when they have money, it's mostly spent on drugs. Mm -hmm. So they come, Manson tells Watson that he needs somebody to basically um, figure out how to figure out how to rob a drug dealer. Yeah, Pretty much. That's the that's the original. That's the plan. Hey, he's a Scorpio. Of course, he's a Scorpio. Yeah, sense. his moon is Aquarius, and his rising is Taurus. Interesting. He was only 5'2". Yeah, he's tiny. Have you watched Mindhunter? No, I need to. People keep telling me to. The guy who plays Ed Kemper in Mindhunter is so phenomenal. But there's a point that they're going to talk to Manson. Uh And Ed Kemper says, because, you know, Ed Kemper's gigantic. Yeah, yeah. The, The guy who plays Ed Kemper, the character, not the real person, but the character says, yeah, he's small. And then he, like, holds his hand up, like, just to his chest. And he's like, like freaky small (laughs) (laughs) i think best line in the whole show it's a really good show but like freaky small (laughs) i think that's the one episode i did see or whatever the first episode of the first season was Mm, that's not the first one that's i think maybe the end of the first season towards the end of the first season anyway i watched a really good show though i need i just need to do it maybe when i'm done with my bigfoot show for sure. It is a really, really good show. Okay, so Charlie tells Tex that he has, you know, he needs him to get in touch with 
this girlfriend of his, former girlfriend, whatever. Um, there's a little bit of a, I'm not sure. It says ex-girlfriend, former girlfriend, but obviously she's still enough of a friend that he can call her. Yeah. So I'm not exactly sure what that situation is. Um, and you know, all the women had nicknames. Like they were, none of them were called by their real names. Really? Yeah. Like, um, sexy Sadie's real name is Susan Krenwinkel. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm not going to be able to think of them. Well, okay. So the girl that he calls, and this is, this is why I'm not sure exactly where this, like, obviously she was enough part of the group that she had a nickname because they call her Luella, but Luella is not her name at all. Yeah. Her real name is um, Rosina. Did they have to be part of the group to have a nickname or did they just like disrespect women so much that they just came up with names for them? See, and that's what I, and that's like kind of a thing for me too. Cause I'm like, is it just a disrespect thing or is it like a, we're living in a different world, man. You don't have to use your Christian name thing. Well, Charles is his name. It is, but he's the only one. Tex Watson's real name isn't Tex. Yeah. I can't think of what it is right this second. It's like George or something. Like, it's a, he has a completely normal name. This is a quote that I'm going to read because it's pretty well put together um, from a, I was trying to figure out if it's a book or an article. Well, the author is um, Lansing and the, the title is The Manson Family, More to the Story. Okay. It says, Tex appro- approached his ex-girlfriend, Rosina Krosner, about setting up a drug deal. In his words, quote, I called Luella, the alias he, he gave Rosina, on July 1st and said that the family had $100 and wanted to buy a kilo of grass, but our mafia vending machine connection would only sell 25 kilos at a throw for a cool 2500 Tex asked Rosina for the money, but she didn't have that much cash. But then, quote, she called back and told me that she knew somebody who was interested in buying the extra kilos, but she needed to make some money out of the deal as well. The somebody Rosina referred to was her dealer. His name was Bernard Crow, but he was known as, are you ready for this? Yeah. Lots of Papa. Lots of Papa. <laughs> it's the best. His nickname is the hands down best real person's nickname I have ever heard in my life. I wonder where that came from. Interesting that you should ask. No, good. Apparently, um, it's been portrayed like in movies and stuff, like he was a really big guy, but apparently that's not really where the nickname came from. It came from him basically being like, yeah, I'm a sex god. So he was lots of papa. Ew. It's still a great name. <laughs> Very cringy, but yes, it is a great okay, name. Okay, but here's the thing. Maybe it's really because he was a big dude and he was like, no, no, that's not the reason. <laughs> <laughs> my, here, let me just, let me just say in my experience, men who. I'm just going to agree with you. You don't even have to say it. I 100% agree with you. You know what I'm going to say? Absolutely. Should I say it anyway for everybody else? <laughs> finish it. No, finish what you're saying because you're 100% right. Men who have to 
tell women or other men that they're good in bed are not good in bed. I'm just it's saying. It's like the guys that want to brag about their dick size. Honey, this is how we know that there is just nothing there to talk about because you're talking about it. Or when you're so... God, I could go on and on. <laughs> What'd you say? If you're not talking about it? Yeah. Yeah. I could go on and on about things that men do that make you just immediately know, like, <laughs> you don't want your girlfriend to wear a certain outfit when you go out. Insecure. Uh-huh. You don't want to use sex toys in bed. Insecure. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Anyway. Definitely true. Uh, so... Who knows where Lhasa Papa really got his nickname, but, but Lhasa Papa. Lhasa Papa. I will now proceed to say that several times because it's fantastic. <laughs> it's just like the perfect 70s, like, like it sounds like it should be fiction, but this was this dude's legitimate street nickname. <laughs> like, Let's bring like it back. Places and they were like, who are you with? And people are like, Lhasa Papa. Did they say anyway. like. Lots of Papa or like lots of Papa. It's like all one word as though Mario says it. Oh my God. That's all I'm going to think about now. <laughs> lots of Papa, but in Mario's voice. Lots of Papa. I can't even do it. <laughs> That's how my head. That's how my brain says it too. <laughs> anyway. So lo- just a little bit, just because this is, this is just, you can't, you just can't do better. Lots of Papa was 27, which, like, honey, you not a Papa. You just lots of baby. Like, <laughs> lo- lots of puppy. Lots of still learning. <laughs> lots of still learning. Um, he also played a trumpet in a jazz court, in addition to being a, a apparently, um, not necessarily that smart, but fairly successful drug dealer. He played trumpet in a jazz quartet and lived in an apartment above Sunset Boulevard. He was also part of a forgery and fencing ring in L.A. and created fake Social Security cards. That sounds like a winner. Um, he looks like an African-American Elvis. Well, you have to send me the picture right now. Let me just send, uh, can I just save this picture? Let me see. <laughs> Doesn't he? He does. I'm, I'm sure that a lot of that is by design, but like he just very much looks like a, an African-American album. <gasps> oh my God. I mean, can you not just picture this guy absolutely ruling his life living on Sunset Boulevard and selling drugs and playing trumpet in a jazz quartet? Yes. Like... He was living the summer of 69, summer of love dream. Wow. So, Tex goes on to explain to Rosina that the plan is they're going to get the $2,500 from her drug dealer. They're going to buy the drugs. And they're going to sell them to her clients at a $25 per kilo markup. Hmm. Then he's going to bank the extra weed, which is three kilos worth for the Manson family, pass a couple hundred dollars back to Rosina as a finder's fee, and then he's going to reimburse Crow. However, this is not the real plan. Yeah. This is the plan that he told the person who was really caught up in some shit she should not have been caught up in. Mm-hmm. So 
he tells her he needs to meet with the dealer alone with his dealer, not hers with his dealer because the guy won't trust anybody else. So he has to get the money from her contact. Then he has to meet privately with his guy. So Rosina calls lots of Papa who agrees to meet at her apartment. I know I can't remember. Um, Tex gets another member of the Manson family to drive to LA and he gets dropped off near her apartment because he wants to make it look like he hitchhiked. He doesn't mm-hmm. want to make it look like he has a ride. Then they would go to the dealer's place on the other side of town. They're going to park in the back. And then, I'm sorry, I'm making this confusing. The guy, TJ is the guy's name. It doesn't really matter who it is. It's just some poor guy from the Manson Ranch. Yeah. His job is to drop him off. Then he's going to go ahead and drive to the to Texas dealer's place and park in the back. Mm-hmm. Because the plan is that he's going to go get the money from Lhasa Papa. Then he and Rosina are going to go to his dealer's house where he has to meet with him alone. So she's going to park in the front. Mm-hmm. And he's going to go in the front door and walk out the back door. And get in the car and go back to Swan Ranch. Just like that. Just like that. So he wasn't planning on buying any drugs. He literally is just trying to take a drug dealer for 2500 bucks. That's the whole plan. To rob the... Probably a lot back then. To rob a drug dealer. Here's my thing. I just... It seems to me like there are probably easier people to rob. Yeah. <laughs> like of all the people that you choose to rob, you want it to be a drug dealer? As you're reading this, I'm thinking about how crazy it is that these guys are so worried about like security and getting busted and we can just like go buy weed from a dispensary now. I mean, here's the thing. In California. Yeah. For sure. I mean, in California, Chris gets his damn weed delivered. Yeah. They just pull up and he goes out with cash and they hand him the pot. Like, it's just like, done. They do it in Vegas, too, because that's what Rich and I are going to do when we're there. True. I mean, lots of places. But, like, in California at the time, a pot charge was, like, I want to say almost as bad as a murder charge. Mm Mm-hmm. I believe it. Well, you could do life. Yeah. So, of all the people you're going to rob, and I guess he didn't think that anybody was going to have any inclination that there was anything weird going on. So not only, so he's planning on robbing a drug dealer, but he's a hundred percent burning the ex-girlfriend in the process. Oh yeah. Because you know, she's on the hook for the money, but apparently he didn't care about that. However, lots of Papa immediately takes one look at Tex Watson and is like, (laughs) you're not driving across town with my money. Lots of Papa piles him, Tex, Rosina, and two of his buddies into his, and I cannot, I'm not making this up. Nobody's making this up. Into his big black Cadillac. Because of course he had a big black Cadillac. Lots of Papa and his big black Cadillac. (laughs) (laughs) So they they pile everybody in the car. And they get there. And lots of Papa tells him, you go in and pay for the drugs. And Rosina's going to stay out here with us. 
And if you don't want anything to happen to her, then you better be back. This is a quote from Tex Watson. He says, when Crow threatened violence to her, if I tried to cheat them, I gave him one of my Texas grins and drawled that they should know I'd be coming back when they had my girl. However, he goes on to say, it didn't much matter to me what they did to Luella as long as I got the money for Charlie. They gave me the cash and I went straight into the front of the apartment and straight out the back. TJ and I were off to the ranch. Wow. He straight up did not care if they killed her. That's fucked up. However, Lots of Pop is not that bad of a dude. They wait a little bit, not long, but a little bit, and they figure out that um, they've been set up. So, oh, that's right. Tex Watson's real name is Charles. I just remembered why I know that. So he demands, he, Lots of Papa demands that Rosina tell him who the hell this dude is and where did he go. Mm-hmm. So she explains that they live on an old movie ranch. He gets the phone, he asks her for the phone number, which she had. Mm-hmm. So at 2 a.m., he calls the ranch, or actually, she calls the ranch and hands Lots of Papa the phone. Of course, everybody at the ranch is celebrating because they now have $2,500. And when he calls, he asks for Charles. But nobody knows Tex Watson by that name because the only Charles is Manson. Oh, man. So they put Manson on the phone. And initially, Watson Papa doesn't realize that he's not talking to Tex. Tells him he's going to kill him, threatens everybody at the ranch. Manson says, explains to him it's a different Charles and tells him, I haven't seen that guy in weeks. So lots of Papa's like, look, I don't believe you. I'm just going to show up where you are and I'm going to kill everyone there. And I'm going to slit your throat from ear to ear. Oh my God. Got to give him credit. I mean, there's some, there's some style points in all of this. (laughs) So you gotta, I mean, plays a trumpet and lives above sunset and drives a giant black Cadillac and threatens to slit people's throats from ear to ear. <laughs> I'm looking at this picture that you sent me and you're, you're telling me this man is 27 years old. Yes. Well, scary. he looks old as shit. He was 27 at the time. I, I'm not, a, I mean, I can't be a hundred percent sure oh. the picture was taken. Okay. Yeah. 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 Let's see if it's a, hang on. Is there a caption? No. I'm so I'm not a hundred percent sure if he was 27 in that picture or not. Okay. Because he looks definitely older than 27. I think so, too. But at the same time, I weirdly feel like people looked older. Yeah, I think they did. I think they did. Why? Um, I think part of I think part of it is that people dress so differently that we look at it and think they look older because of the way they're dressed. I think so. Yeah. Okay, so at this point... Manson is panicked. He's raging at Tex Watson because he's put everybody in danger, but he's a hundred percent terrified that lots of Papa is going to come and kill him. So he immediately is like, is trying to figure out how to solve the problem. And he tells 
so this is this is where the this is where the kind of tie in with the murder start. One of the reasons that Tex was one of the people who went to commit the murders is because he was still trying to win back Charlie's trust after this whole ordeal. Wow. The idea was initially Manson's partially, except that he took it to another level in order to get what Charlie wanted. And he's the one who decided to involve a drug dealer. Again, of all the people you could rob in Los Angeles. <laughs> Top notch idea. Go, like pull a bank job, maybe rob a jewelry store. <laughs> no, no, no. Let's rob a drug dealer. Okay, so once again, Manson is feeling like there. Apparently, Watson Watson's just kind of a problem. Like he continuously does things that he shouldn't do and gets gets them into trouble. So once again, Manson's like feels like he's going to clean up a mess that Watson's created. So he sends Tex and Sadie to the caves because he doesn't want everybody to know that everybody's in danger. And Sadie's the biggest blabbermouth. So they have to send, they're literally caves. I mean, we're talking like the desert desert and there's like where the, the quote ranch is, is just Mm -hmm. desert, but it's like, right. The property is just complete. I mean, completely wild land and there are caves. Wow. So he sends them, and that's one of the places where, you know, the rumor is that Manson personally killed plenty of people, even though he wasn't actually there for the Tate and LaBianca murders, and that there are people buried in the desert. But that's never, no one's ever found anything, and that's never been proven. So, Mm -hmm. but one of the reasons they say people think that that happened is that there were so many places they could hide bodies that no one was looking, and no one was looking for the people that were around him. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's, it's a solid theory. So, I like it. Mm-hmm. So Manson, once again, has TJ drive him back into the city to Rosina's apartment to try to square things away with Lhasa Papa. Somewhere in the middle of this, Manson either is told that Lots of Papa is like kind of a big wig in the Black Panther movement, or he just makes it up, or maybe he just thinks that. Yeah. But somehow Manson is convinced, either he's convinced or he convinces everybody else. And I'm not, it's really not clear where it came from in the first place mm-hmm. that, um, that Manson has to go deal with the situation because if he doesn't like the whole, you know, all of these black Panthers are going to show up and kill everybody. Yeah. So, and maybe, you know, lots of Papa could have said that maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. Of course, nobody knows for sure. Whatever he said though, was convincing enough to Manson to go and try to solve the problem. They go back into town And they go and meet with, um, actually, when they first get there, lots of Papa's not there. Um, A couple of his friends are there. And they just, like, kind of hang out and wait for him to come back and make small talk. 
including Manson making a comment about really liking one of the shirt, the one of the guy's shirts, a silk shirt. In fact, (laughs) Crow comes back and he and Charlie are talking and Charlie's like, look, you know, you can't take my friend's life. You have to take my life. And Crow lots of Papa says, I don't want to, I don't want to hurt you. I just like, I want my money. And I, you know, the people who burn me are who I have a problem with. I don't have a problem with you. As the plan in Charlie's mind is he has a gun in his, like in his belt, I guess, or in the back of his pants. Yeah. And the plan is if things go bad, TJ is supposed to pull the gun and shoot lots of Papa. Okay. He's not going to do it. Once again, he's telling other people to do things. He's not going to do it. Now that lots of Papa said he doesn't want to hurt him, Charlie decides that he's going to perform a ritualistic dance because if you've ever watched the videos from his, from his trial, that's just kind of what he does. So lots of Papa says, I'm not, he's annoyed with Charlie's antics. He's not willing to work out a quote deal. He's, just pissed off and he wants his money back. So he kind of Manson's waiting for TJ to do something and he doesn't. So Manson pulls the gun and fires twice. It actually misfires the first time, but the second shot hits lots of Papa. It's actually the same 22 revolver that Tex uses on the Cielo at Cielo drive to commit the Manson murders like just a few weeks later, because that's wow. in August of the same year. So before, however, they leave, what Manson thinks is a murder scene, he asks the guy for his silk shirt and gets it. Oh my God. Yeah. That's bold. It is incredibly bold. And kind of so, like it's fucking crazy like this dude that, is fucking okay, crazy so that's the thing. It, like really it really that to me as much as anything else really highlights how completely out of touch with reality manson was yeah like oh, he yeah. legitimately believes that he killed this person and the next day there are um there is a news report about a black panther being found murdered um I want to say on a college campus. But when Manson hears the report, because in his head, lots of Papa's a black Panther. That's who it is. Manson actually does not find out that lots of Papa lives until lots of Papa is called to testify against him in the murder trial. Oh my God. That's how he finds out that he didn't kill him. Oh, because what's fascinating is, this guy goes to the hospital where he's in the hospital for two weeks recovering from this gunshot wound. But he never says, he never tells anybody what happened. At least he never tells, he doesn't call, he's a drug dealer. So it's not like he's going to call the police. True, true, true. So he never, until he's called to testify against Manson, he never says anything about it. Basically. Um, oh, the okay, so the it was not, I'm sorry, it wasn't a college campus. It was on the, there was a news report of a Black Panther being shot to death and left on the lawn of UCLA Hospital. That's why I got confused. Sorry. Okay, okay. 
Um, so when he hears this, not only does he think he kills that he killed lots of Papa, but he's now convinced that the black that the Black Panther movement is going to be coming for him because they know that it's him that killed him. The reality is is that no one involved in this situation was a member of the Black Panthers. In fact, the two friends that were with Lhasa Papa weren't black. Oh my God, this guy. So, one of the reasons that they end that the reason that this kind of all leads to the Manson family murders is it kind of goes back to the whole helter skelter Charles Manson being obsessed with the with the you know a coming race war and now he thinks he's murdered a black panther mm. so he's you know once again trying to it's like everything is all sort of like this long convoluted thing that mostly exists in Manson's head yeah, that seems accurate. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just, it's such an interesting story to me because, I mean, like I said, it's true crime, but like, I mean, you know, it's a shoot, it's a robbery and a shooting. Yeah. Nobody dies, um, although arguably, uh, you know, the Tate and LaBianca murders happened kind of down the line, partially because this happened. The tie-in is what makes yeah. it interesting. There's just so much. I just feel like that time period in L.A. in general, but also like among the Manson family was just kind of a fever dream. Yeah. Like there was so much going on. And I mean, it's just such a crazy series of events. And actually, in fact, there's a second. There is another. um, Does he kill Hinman? I think he does kill Gary. So the. The next thing that is kind of in line before the Tate and LaBianca murders is that Charlie's trying to um, get money for the family to get so that they can get away before the Black Panthers show up to kill them all. And um, the, what, what, the way that he decides to do that is to tell Bobby Beausoleil, who is a member of the family, to murder Gary Hinman. Because he thinks that Hinman has recently come into an inheritance and he tells Beausoleil to stage the scene to make it look like the Black Panthers committed the crime. Oh my God. But they don't draw any comparison between those things. Additionally, one of the reasons he tells them to stage the scenes at the Tate and LaBianca murders is because in his head, this is how they're going to get Bobby Beausoleil off the hook for Hinman's murder. This long trail of things that all starts with Charlie telling Tex, we need money, go get it. Hey, is Charles Manson still alive? He is not. He died fairly recently. Like, I want to say probably less than five years ago. It's a sad, I mean, honestly, Manson's a, is, Manson is such a sad story because, like I said, he he's kind of one of those people that just started out with, not a prayer of ever having a normal life yeah and mix that with you know probably all kinds of trauma along with uh, who knows what kind of mental mental health issues that were that no one was ever dealing with at all no 
and drugs and drugs and you know the fact that he was charismatic and people wanted to do what he wanted people wanted to make him happy he made people feel like he made these kids who were kind of throwaways from society feel like they were important and so they would do things for him that they wouldn't like just like this whole situation with Watson creating this ridiculous plan to rob a drug dealer of $2,500. For Manson. Harley said we need money. So he yeah. was going to do whatever it took to get it for him. Oh so that is the story of the not quite murder of lots of Bernard, lots of Papa Crow. That was an awesome story. And I can't wait to post his picture on Instagram. <laughs> I love that picture so much. I you know what I didn't look at? I didn't look to see like when did like how when did he die? Oh yeah. I I feel like he did. Of course everything is the story about him and Manson. I just want to know what happened to him. Apparently he had another nickname. It was Big Crow. He had to be a big dude. I think he just made that shit up. Like, oh no, it's cuz because it's because of my dick and they're like no oh. <laughs> <laughs> like i'm sitting here like looking at pictures of charles manson right now manson's a great was a crazy crazy dude you know what time it is it's bedtime i'm gonna have to i i will update you the next time we talk i will update you because i'm gonna figure out where what happened to him okay just because i'm fascinated like i want to know like what did he look like when he was like 27 older oh okay like I I just need to know like did he just did he just keep playing the trumpet and dealing drugs or maybe you should do a whole nother episode on his his like life I'm you know what if there's enough interesting shit for sure everything I everything I find of course is about this particular story because I mean come on you were shot by Charles Manson yeah that's the story Thank you so much for the continued support. Please find and follow us at Wild Milk Pod on Instagram and Twitter. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash wildmilkpodcast. If you're looking for bonus content, early episode releases, and free merch, find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash wildmilkpodcast. If you have any weird, creepy, or wow, I can't believe this happened moments, please tell us. Our email is wildmilkpodcast at gmail.com. And remember, all stories start somewhere. Be wild, stay woke, and question everything.